You're listening to the Glad Tidings Church podcast, available on Podbean and iTunes. Working and moving. Today we're going to continue uh, our series from Isaiah chapter 60. And verse around verse 10 is where we're going to talk about today. But verses 1 through 8, we won't read all of those today. But we'll go through just verse 10. But to recap verses 1 through 8... Bible says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. The darkness covers the earth, but not on you. My glory is going to be on you. I believe God is speaking to his church, and, and he's talking about what he's going to do. God's going to bring provision to his people. God's going to work in a powerful way. Yes, this talks about establishing Jerusalem in that final day, but it also speaks about God raising up his church and God bringing in a great harvest of souls. And we talked about that last week when we said that they will come as the cloud like doves to the nest. But in verse 10, we're going to go to that verse and specifically today. Here's what the Bible says. Foreigners will rebuild your walls. Donald Trump didn't write that, did he? I just thought of that. <laughs> but foreigners will rebuild your walls, and their kings will serve you. Look at these last two lines. Though in anger I struck you. In favor I will show you compassion. Holy Spirit, minister that word to us today. I know, God, that you are working and moving in in ways that we may not always understand, but I know, God, that you're working. And so today, I pray that you would have your way in our hearts. I thank you for these wonderful people and what you're doing in all of their lives. I bless them, bless their families, their children, in the name of Jesus, their businesses, their jobs. May your glory be shed abroad in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord today. Amen. Men, need you at 4 o'clock today. We're going to pray from 4 to 5. Well, Pastor, the Patriots are, are playing today. Or I guess they're playing today. And... Um, you know, we got to pull for the Jaguars and the Patriots. You know, I need some Patriots who want to stand up for Jesus and, and who are ready at a minute's notice to come and pray. And uh, we're going to pray from 4 to 5. Now, ladies, if you want to come, the ladies are going to meet in the cove, and uh, they're going to pray. And uh, so you can come, ladies, and, and meet. Uh, I think Miss Rachel will be there and several others, and they're going to have a time of prayer as well. So today at 4 o'clock. Today I bring a message entitled, An Important Reminder. I don't know about you, but I need reminders. Uh, appointments, things. People used to use strings. People used to use the Franklin Planner. Now they have online alerts. Every Monday morning when I come in, I hear this certain sound on my phone. And the sound is of a reminder and it it goes like uh, something like this I I don't know how it all will work but it the sound is kind of like this did y'all hear that 
You hear it again. And it's like, da-da-da, you've got things to do, somebody's here to see you, or you've got an appointment, okay? And you can make whatever tone you want, but that's my tone. And it's a reminder that something important is about to happen. And in this passage of Scripture, we, we think about a reminder that God is going to give to His people today. And when we look at chapter 60, around the first 10 verses, God is speaking to them about their purpose. He's saying, I've got a purpose for you, church. I want you to rise up. I want you to shine. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. I have brought you to a place where you can fulfill your purpose. I am providing for you. I am meeting your needs. I am filling you with my praise. I am working in a powerful way. In fact, it's going to be so powerful that people will come from afar. Your sons and your daughters are going to come in. And Foreigners, people that you don't even know, even from distant lands. When you go through the scripture, you'll find areas that are far away from Jerusalem. Sheba and Kedar's flocks and Nebaioth, all of these places that are far off. But yet God's saying, I'm bringing them. I'm bringing them to worship. I'm bringing them to my holy place. And God is saying, I want to bring my people together. And the beautiful thing about it is, is that God uses sons and daughters and people from distant lands, people who have been broken, people who have been hurt, people who don't have a chance, people who know some about the word, people who don't know anything about the word of the Lord, but yet God is calling them together to build a spiritual house. And of course, Jesus is the chief cornerstone of that house. I was reading this past week about how Nehemiah, when he went back to rebuild the walls, he noticed that some of those stones were burned. And we look into history, look in scripture, and we find out that he actually used some of those stones that were burned to rebuild the walls. And I look at that as a beautiful picture of all of us today. I've been burned by people. Some of you have been burned by your addictions. You've been burned by sin. You've been burned by different areas and things in life. You've been burned through a bad relationship. But the good news is, is that God can take the burn stones, he can clean them off and build a spiritual kingdom out of what has been battered, broken, and burned. That's what God does for us today. That's the beauty of his church. And he's doing that, of course, in Isaiah 60, restoring and bringing. But I wanted you to notice something. In verse 10, there he says, foreigners will rebuild your walls. Their kings will serve you. He's in a vein here. He's talking about all the blessing of God. But somehow, there is something that is taking place in verse 10 and the latter part of the verse. He's saying, though in anger I struck you, in favor I'll show you compassion. When you look at this on face value, you've got to say, well, this is kind of different from the rest of the chapter. He's talking about all the blessing of God And he's talking about how God brings provision. The flocks are coming for the sacrifices. All the blessing is coming. And then in the middle, he says something to them. He's giving them an important reminder. Though in anger I struck you, in favor I show you compassion. Now let's talk about that just for a moment. God wants the children of Israel, he wants 
them to understand. And Isaiah is speaking prophetically about when the blessing of the Lord is coming. But he's saying to them, Israel, your history has been that of forgetting God in times when you felt secure. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that Israel, their favorite song was by Dion. Wanderer, I'm just a wanderer. And around and around and around and around and around. Okay. Israel loved to wander. During the time of judges, it seemed that they would get right with God and things would go well and then they'd fall after other gods and God would have to rescue them. God would have to bring them back. During the time of the kings, some of the kings were corrupt and God had to deal with them and They went into Babylonian captivity and God would have to deal with them. And they were quick to follow after false gods. How quick they were to follow after false gods. When God brought them out of Egypt, not too long after that, they were worshiping a golden calf. How quickly they forget. And I'm going to tell you, don't look at Israel and say, boy, they were some terrible. How quickly we forget what God has done for us. And so they're worshiping other gods. But even now, this was written prophetically prior to the captivity. Even now, God was getting ready to deal with them. They'd have to go into captivity. They'd be far away from their homeland. But yet God would bring them back. You've got to understand something about the nature of God. God is a God of justice And God is a God of mercy. God cannot let sin go unpunished. The Bible says he will by no means declare the guilty righteous except through the cross when we go and look in the New Testament. But we know that even in mercy, God loves even in the middle of the time of justice or judgment that is being poured out. That is something that we need to understand about the nature of God. And there's a lot of teaching today about the grace of God, and I'm thankful for the grace of God, but you must understand the reason that the grace of God is so powerful is because we were under the penalty of sin, and sin has to be dealt with. The wages of sin is what? It's death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God's justice, God's righteous demands must be satisfied. And so when we look in the nation of Israel, God says to them, though in anger I struck you, but yet in the midst of that I will show you compassion. God is talking to them. He's giving them a a special reminder. When I was doing some study today, I noticed some, or last week I noticed some, I didn't study just this today. I want you to understand that. When we look in scripture, there are some parallel verses. And the parallel verses that that go along with chapter 16, verse 10, and Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 17, for the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth and smote him. Talking about Israel. And I hid me and was wroth. He went on frowardly in the way of his heart. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 7, another parallel verse. 
For a small moment I have forsaken thee, but with great mercies I will gather thee. Parallel verses. you got to understand, the best commentary on the Bible is what? The Bible. So parallel verses help us with this. Israel had rejected uh, the, the move of God. They had rejected the, the Messiah. They showed contempt for God. There was persecution, 70 A.D. Israel was flattened. And we noticed that th there was persecution of, of godly people. But I want you to understand, even in the midst of that, God had a plan for natural Israel. He has a plan for his people. Romans chapter 11, verse 26. The deliverer will come from Zion, and he will turn godlessness away from Jacob. So yet, in this verse of Scripture, chapter 60 and verse 10, we do see God reaching out to his people that there's judgment that is coming, but yet in mercy... He calls them to come to him. Now, I want to ask this question, and the question is this. We talked about it just a moment ago. Why in the middle of all of this good stuff, all the blessing, all the great things that God is going to do, why did this little two-sentence line, or lines, these two-sentence lines, why were they placed within this chapter? I want to tell you that God wants to give them a reminder. Everything good is happening, but God is saying, i got to give you an understanding of your history. It's sandwiched in the middle of this chapter. And God didn't want to rain on their parade. How many of you know that there's some people, they always have some bad things are going well, and then somebody has something negative to say. All right, I want you to understand that that's not what God is doing here. God is giving them a history reminder, a history lesson. He's talking to them about what has happened in their past and that it's important for them never to forget those things. It's kind of like this. A, a, a month or so ago, I was in the doctor's office and he went over my blood work and he had some good things to say about my blood work and I was like, yeah, yeah, that number looks good. That number looks good. This number looks good. And I was waiting for him to shake my hand. My doctor shakes my hand. And then he charges me whatever he, when he's through. But at the end, I said, man, this, this is good, good news. And he said, wait just a minute. But there's one caveat. This number right here. We've got to watch it. And I think to myself, well, I was really looking forward to my office appointment today because I got my, blood, my lab work prior to going to the doctor just a little bit prior I and mean, I, I looked at those numbers and man I went in I got my report card looking good he said wait just a minute this right here don't forget about this right here and in this sense I believe that's what God is doing I'm going to bless I'm going to pour out I'm going to provide for you but there's something that could be your 
nemesis. It has been your nemesis. And you cannot forget what has happened in your past. And God is saying, I love you. I want to bring you to a place of blessing. But never forget that he has redeemed you. He has called you by name. You would be nothing without him. And so it's important for you to realize that God wants to bring a reminder because there are things that could be a game changer in your life. Now let's go to the reminders that God is giving. Why did God place this statement in the middle of a prophecy? Let's break this down. Number one, God wanted to remind them and to remind us as the church that we are his children. And in parentheses, I put the word sons. Now, I know that we live in a, in a gender, uh, a time where gender is, can be very sensitive. So I want to... I want to tell you, I'm just going to tell you that what God is really talking about here, he's talking about your children, all right? Sons, daughters, whatever you want to put there, it's okay. But I want you to understand today that God wants to remind us that we are his. Do you realize that you would not have breath in your body were it not for the Lord God Almighty? You would not have opportunities were it not for him. You are his child. You belong to him. And I, I, when I think about it, we dedicate all these children. And even though uh, my, my boys are older in their 20s now, but they're still my sons. I, I love them. And I, sometimes it's hard for me not to think about how when they were little and he would say little things and they'd be funny and all these types of things. I remember when we were in the store one time, and this is when the WWJD bracelets were really popular. And I remember Gray was sitting in there. You know how they do is sit in a little cart, and they eat the animal, Barnum and Bailey animal crackers. And, and all of a sudden, he saw this guy, and he's had the, he said, Dad, I know what that says. I said, what does it say, buddy? Like, we're going to have some praise right here in the grocery store. He said, www.com. I think about those precious times and when, when they were young and growing up. And you know what? That's what God does for Israel. He's saying, I, I knew you when you were a child. I, I called you out of Egypt. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. And we look and we, some people say, well, that refers to Jesus. Yes, it does when Jesus was, came out of Egypt, but refers to the nation of Israel. How he called them out of bondage. And God was saying, you belong to me. I, I, I gave up everything for you. And the, it's interesting that the more that Israel would stray against the Lord, that he would lovingly try to reach out to them and bring him back. Let me tell you what a real father is. A true and loving father is not a man or a woman who will let their child do anything that they want to do. Hear me? Parenting 101. Children need discipline. Somebody's got to make the rules. So, and some people may think, well, you know, my parents, I, they don't do this. If you're here today and you're a teenager, my parents, they, you know, my parents do this, my parents do that. Blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you something. Don't despise the fact that your mom and dad love you. And they're putting these things in place, and they're putting some guardrails in place because they don't want you to drive over the edge. And, and I'm going to tell you, when I was a teenager, I used to push the limits. Pastor Tim, you did that? Oh, yeah. 
How many would be honest and say, you pushed your mom and daddy. You knew where the boundaries were. You knew where, but, you know, they've got to put up some guardrails. They've got to make sure that they don't want you to go over the edge. And God was saying to Israel, you're my sons. You're my daughters. And, and I've called you by name. You're mine. And I bought you with the price. And the reason he did that is because he wants you to understand. That's some good water right here. Let me take a little bit of God wants you to understand that he loves you. And not only does he love you, but he wants to give you identity. You belong to him. He is God. He has redeemed you. He has rescued you. He has brought you from the depths. He has blessed you. He has raised you up. He has blessed his church. He said on this rock, he didn't say Pastor Tim or Pastor Shad or Pastor Rylan or Pastor Elizabeth or Pastor whoever will build my church. He said on this rock, I am the builder. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. We belong to him. This church belongs to him. We are his people. He is the shepherd. We're the sheep of his pasture. And God was saying to these people, you're going to enter in time of blessing, but don't you ever forget where you came from. I am the Lord, your God. I'm your daddy. And I have brought you out. You belong to me. To remind us that we are sons. Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1. Let's go to that. We talked about this. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. God watching over them. Loving them. And so he wanted them to remind them, I'm your dad. Second thing that he wanted them to understand. He wanted to remind them that they once lived, or we once lived, in our foolish understanding. Our foolish understanding. We were not God. Our ways are not His ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And we lived in our foolish understanding. We walked after the flesh. Israel walked after the things that they wanted to do. And in a sense, there is something that happens in Scripture. There's a study on this. And in fact, you can look it up in terms of a of Babylon and understand that when there was a goblet or a cup and there's a motif in scripture that talks about the intoxication of sin so when God is saying you lived in your foolish understanding you were really drunk on your own sin now I'm just going to give you the Pastor Tim version of of a, a mind that's carnal. Sin, hear me, sin will make you stupid. <gasps> Pastor said stupid. Sin will make you crazy. You will not think in spiritual terms. You will think in terms of what satisfies the flesh. You will be intoxicated in your own way of thinking. In fact, the Bible even says that when Israel went away in Scripture, when in chapter 51 and verse 7, you can look at this a little bit later. It says, Babylon was a gold cup in the Lord's hand, and she made the whole earth drunk. 
Now, I know that there will be a time during the tribulation period where uh, the, the world will follow after the Antichrist, and the world will be intoxicated on the mindset of the Antichrist. Do you understand that a lot of that is happening even now? People are getting drunk on the things that really don't stack up against the Word of God. And they're drunk on their own thinking and they go their own way. And the Bible says, and the nations drunk her wine and therefore they have gone mad. We know that Israel was in Babylonian captivity. They were drunk on their own desires, drunk on their own way. And God had really had to take them here. He had to take them to Babylon for 70 years to sober them up. Are you with me? And so therefore, God had to deal with them. In his wrath, there was some smiting that took place. And yet, after that, God would bring them back. He's dealing with them. But he's letting them know, you lived in sin's foolishness, understanding and sin's understanding. Now, I love my father. And I remember there are a lot of guys in our community that didn't have a dad. And my father was not only my dad, but he was like a father figure to a lot of other boys in that community. One night about midnight, our phone rang. And my dad got out of bed, and he left for about an hour and a half. And my dad came back weeping. And I said, what happened, Dad? And he told me the name of another guy that I knew. He said... He was drunk. He was out of his mind. He could not even walk. I had to pick him up out of the bushes. And he was sick. And I had to take him into the house and lay him on his bed and help his mother take care of that boy. There's something in Scripture that is akin to the flesh that says when we go our own way, we are actually intoxicated with the wine of the enemy. Sin destroys your thinking. Hear me, what's wrong is right, and what's right is wrong. And there's something that also says I can do things differently and still be fine. I want to tell you, without Jesus, you are staggering. When I look at what happens... When all of these things take place, when a person is drunk, here's what happens. Signs of drunkenness. They're the same as spiritual. They can't walk. How many of you ever tried to see somebody walk and they were intoxicated? And it, they can't walk. A person who's intoxicated can't walk in the ways of the Lord. A person who is drunk has slurred speech. They speak foolishness. They have enlarged pupils. They can't see spiritual things. They have impaired judgment. They have confusion. They think that they can still do the same things they've always done and get a, a, the same result. It's kind of like this. I know I've been on a diet, but I took a break in December. i got to get back on it because I can tell you, eating a half dozen Krispy Kreme donuts will not cause you to lose weight. <laughs> but there's something akin to that in our culture. It doesn't make sense. You've got to follow after the ways of the Lord. In His ways, there's prosperity. 
In his ways, there's blessing. In his ways, there's life. In his ways, there is a protection over you and your family. His blood makes the difference. And if you don't have the blood applied, you're not in the word. You are going to stagger through life and you are going to fall down and you're not going to have everything that God promised you. So God is saying, you're walking in your own foolishness. I remember... That morning after I talked to my dad when he went out that night. I made up my mind. I did not want to disappoint my father. I saw his compassion and his love. But I want to tell you something. Spiritually speaking, everyone in this room, you have been intoxicated in your own desires. And God had to pick you up out of the bushes and restore you. So God is saying to Israel, I'm your God. I had to deliver you. You once walked in your own foolish understanding. Then the third thing that God wants to remind them of, he wants to remind them of his ability to cure them and to purify them. And so God is saying, I I can cure you. I can purify you. It's God's plan to heal our backsliding and sin condition. He said so in Hosea chapter 14 and verse 4. Let's look at this verse of scripture. God says, I'm going to heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. I want to tell you, I, I remember my father, he would have to discipline me. And there were things in my life that the Lord had revealed to me and also revealed to my father. And my father would say, you've got this streak in you, boy. You, I, I, try, I was a sneaky young man. Very sneaky. I, my mother, I know I gave her all the gray hair that she had in her head. My mother would be shopping in the grocery store. And I would take her cart. And go to the other side of the store and fill it up with toilet paper. And take it back to her and she would come back and be so embarrassed. Little things like that. Put powdered gelatin in your Kool-Aid. But yet I would bring that over into my spiritual life. My dad would say, I can see you're trying to serve God, but you still want to do your own thing. And I remember that the Lord, he would pray, God, deal with my father, would get me into the word. And he would say, you got to look at this. And it was his desire that that thing be healed in my life. So he's saying to all of us, you know what? God knows where your streak is. It may be a streak of rebellion. Maybe a streak of lust. Maybe a streak of doing things improperly. It may be a, a something where you, 
you finagle the finances. It may be something where you've not told your wife or your wife, you, your wife you've not told your husband and, and somehow there's a, a, something deviant there and God saw that in the nation of Israel. And I want to tell you something. God sees all that stuff in his church and I know the church is not perfect but I want to let you know that in these last days God is saying to his body I am going to cure you. I am going to heal you. I am going to cause you to rise up and maturity. You are going to be a bride without spot and a bride without wrinkle. You're going to be prayer warriors. You're going to be people who exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. You won't want to go the other way because you know there's nothing there and God has filled you with this Spirit, filled you with this power. You see your prayers are being answered. You see God's blessing over your life. You see God giving you a future. You see God doing some powerful things. Why in the world would I ever want to stray from him. I love him. I love my God. He is my daddy. And I don't know anybody else that I want to serve today. And so that's what God is saying. I'm going to cure you. And the cure is the word and the spirit and his blood. I want to thank the Lord for the blood of Jesus. This morning, sometimes I look at some of the old hymns And I think of some of their lyrics. There was a hymn that was written prior to 1776, somewhere around 1772 or 3. And it's called Rock of Ages. How many remember that? You probably sang that. And you sang that in the organ. And, and and, you know, I was on the back row and we sang that. And I was cutting up with them. But I'd still learn some of the words. And it says, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side have flowed. Be of sin the double cure. The double cure. Make me whole and make me pure. I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus will cure you. The blood of Jesus will take care of it. His word, not only will it cure you, but he wants to purify us. And, you know, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5, let's look at that verse on the screen. Hebrews 12 and 5, what we find here is the fact that God has actually brought to us a place where he will chasten us. And it says, and you completely forgotten the word of the encouragement he addressed you as a father addresses his son And he says, let's go to the next one. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Do you know the reason that you're loved by God? Because he will not let you stand with that stuff anymore. God, you're dealing with me. God, you're dealing with me. You know, that's a sign of God's love. He's saying, I'm shaping you and I'm changing you. And I love, that's really proof that you're a child of his. My dad would not let things stand. He said, I'm going to deal with that. I've got to deal with it. And the same way with God and with Israel, he would not allow that to dominate them. And so therefore, there would sometimes be, his wrath would be poured out upon them. Almost like in the New Testament, where Jesus takes the whip And there is his righteous indignation. 
Did that mean that he hated them? No. It meant that he was restoring the house to a house of prayer. And God was saying, I got to restore Israel. I got to restore my church. I got to restore my people. And God was saying that you don't need to despise the Lord's discipline because the Lord is purifying you, He is cleansing you. And there are a lot of people who say, Pastor, I feel like I'm going through more than other people. I got, I got to just tell you this. There are things that I go through and you go through and we think we are the only ones. I want to tell you, welcome to the body where God is dealing with us. I would rather God deal with me than to leave me alone. I'm thankful for a father who loves me enough to deal with my impurities. He's invested much in me. And the reason he is is because he wants to pour out his glory upon you. He does want to bring your sons and daughters from afar. He does want to bless you. He does want to bring provision. He does want to help you. He does want to encourage you. He does want to meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And he does that. But I want to tell you something. He's looking for a people who are completely his. And he's going to purify us and minister to us. And sometimes there may be some chastening. And we don't understand all of it. But I'm telling you, the more chastening, the more purging the more glory, the more that it is not us who's shining through. It is Jesus shining. Would that his church would get off of themselves and stop being so full of themselves and let's get full of Jesus. Purge us, Holy Spirit. Let's be completely and totally sold out to you because we want your glory. We want your blessing. Jesus, do your work in me. Pastor, I've been through so much. I don't know if I can take any more. I want to tell you something. God must have something awesome for you because he is getting ready to purge you and to cleanse you. I could not be where I am today were it not for the grace of God. The lessons I've learned, being on my face before God, the failures I've had in my life, the things that I am able to handle now, I could not have handled them when I was 22 years old. Why? Because I felt like I knew everything. God had to get me to the place where I don't know anything. I'm like a child and I say, Jesus, you've got to teach me. You've got to help me walk. You've got to help me speak. I am dependent on you. If we could get to that place as a church, God would save Carteret County, save half of Eastern North Carolina. Would his church get rid of themselves and begin to depend on him? God's saying, i got to deal with you, Israel. Listening to Russ Taft talked about when he was 22 years old, singing with the Imperials. He said, I was not ready for that. Guy had talent. I mean, he was the bomb. How I many know what I'm talking about? Russ Taft could sing. I mean, he could sing a note, and it's like, whew, glory. But you know, he said, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't mature enough. He gives his testimony. He was full of rust half and wasn't full of Jesus. And that can happen to you. And so God says, I got to deal with you. So to cure us and to purify us, finally, to remind us of his great mercy. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 32. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being, say that with me, disciplined. So that we will not be finally what? With what? Would you rather have the rod or would you rather have the sword? 
Would you rather have the chastening or would you rather have the condemnation? I'd rather my Lord love me. And I'm going to tell you, do you realize that it is because of his mercies that we are not consumed? We did not take the full brunt of our sin. Do you realize that in Isaiah it talks about the cup of the Lord's wrath? That which made the nations drunk, it will kill you. In fact, it, that's what happened to Jesus. In fact, when he was in the garden, he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He had to take it for you and me, but I'm glad that he took it and I didn't get the full penalty of what God could have poured out on me. He, Jesus took it and I'm free and I'd rather have his chastening because of his love than to have the condemnation today. How about you? Can you say amen to that. So here's what the Bible is saying. The rod of the sword. And now God says in the middle of this chapter, I'm going to bless you. Arise, shine, church, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is going to rise upon you. The darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord is rising upon you. Nations will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your dawn. Look up, lift your eyes, look around you. Your sons and your daughters are coming from afar. We talked about this last week. I believe God wants to bring sons and daughters, people who are away from him, and cause them to come and to be reunited with the family of God. I hope you're praying. We're going to be praying about that this afternoon at 4 o'clock. God, we want to move of God. We want to move in your presence. And I believe this is one of the things that the Lord has said to me as a leader and as a pastor. Call your people back to prayer. This is an area where the Lord is chasing me. Tim, you got the people and, and the finances are coming and God is blessing and, and you're preaching and we got music and all this. But where is the calling on my name? Where's the prayer? Where's seeking my face? If you want the glory of the Lord in your midst, it's time for us to get on our face. It's time for us to call on the name of the Lord. I want to tell you something. Nations will come. People will come. Blessing will come. God will bring that. But in the middle of it, he's saying, don't forget where I brought you from. You were under the wrath. You were under my hand. But now you've received grace and mercy. Don't forget that I am the Lord your God. Never forget that you were once slaves in Egypt. Never forget that you didn't have anything to eat. Never forget you didn't have anything to drink. Remember you were slaves. You are burdened. You are broken down. But I have called you to be my people. I have called you to shine in these last days. Not for yourself, but for me. And the nations will know that I am God. I will work from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And I will draw people together. I believe in a great last day outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In the last days, I'll pour out upon my spirit, upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I'm prophesying right now that we've not seen all that God is going to do. Our best days are not behind us. Our best days are ahead of us. I know that the earth it may be going in different directions and there may be problems in different corners of the globe, but I want to tell you, God is raising up a church and a people that will not bow their knee to Baal and a people who will not say yes to the flesh, but a people who will say, I am my beloved's and he is mine and his banner over me is love. I'm going to rise up and shine for him in these last days. 
Yes, your wrath was upon me. Yes, your hand was heavy on me. But your mercy has set me free. And I thank you, Lord, for your mercy. And I will never forget that you're my God. I will remember what you've done in my life. And my life will be a shining example of your glory. Amen. Amen. And amen. May the Lord be praised today. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Glad Tidings Church podcast. For more sermons, please search for Glad Tidings Church on Podbean and iTunes. For more information regarding our church, Sunday morning services, and other groups and gatherings, please visit our website at gladtc.com.